Generating traffic and sales can be a challenge for online merchants. But selling on the Walmart marketplace puts your products in front of millions of customers who shop on walmart.com. And right now, sellers who join Walmart Marketplace can save up to 50% on referral and fulfillment fees for the first 90 days. So get started today. Head over to marketplace.walmart.com savings. That's marketplace.walmart.com savings. Welcome to E-Commerce Conversations, a podcast by Practical E-Commerce. What's going on, Internet? Eric Van Holtz back again with another e-commerce conversation. Man, we're switching the formula up since uh, the 19-part series that we did on how to build an e-commerce business. And now we're uh, interviewing some brilliant e-commerce people. So for the first guest here on the new format of the new show, we got Ronnie Teja. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're he's here in, in uh, Austin, Texas. We're about to head down to e-commerce forum. Was it e-commerce fuel live down in San Antonio in a couple of days? So uh, he stopped down here in Austin beforehand, and I'm lucky to get him in the studio to learn all about his business and his secrets to life. And uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about EOS a little bit. So. Before I ramble too much, why don't you go ahead and give us a quick intro of who you are and what your business is, what kind of products you're selling. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Eric. So my name is Ronnie Teja. I run about 15 different websites. We do mid eight figures in revenue as a business. The primary product that we sell is our watches, men's watches, mostly uh, focused on men. We sell them in about 50 plus countries. At the moment, the idea is to scale to about 120 countries at the end of the year. So big, big lofty goals to live up to. I'm Canadian. I, I travel the world. Have a distributed team of about thirty plus employees. Yeah, dude, that's crazy, man. I can't even like imagine fifteen different websites. Are they all like on the same platform, same template? No, they're all actually on different platforms. So some of them are Shopify, some of them are Magento, some of them are on WooCommerce. So it's just playing. We juggle, we juggle through different sites. Yeah. Did you acquire them? Is that like how you you? Ended up with all of them? Yeah, that's exactly it. So it's actually, there were acquisitions as we went along. And actually, the reason why I'm in Austin is actually, uh, is because we actually found a site to acquire in Austin. Another one, man. Yeah. (laughs) I I did a podcast with um, Shaquille Prosla. Oh, Shaq man. Yeah, yeah. Who you also know. And he has a similar business model where he he acquires companies, e-commerce businesses and stuff like that. What's your strategy for how you're finding these so some of them are private sales. Some of them approach us. Some of them I'll, uh, I'll have a look online and just like start Googling. So the, the site that I'm here to acquire is a content site. And usually what, what we saw was that the, these terms for watches or watch ranks or reviews, this particular site was ranking quite well on. So I started the conversation, sent them an email, tried to figure out if there's, a, if there's an opportunity for us to work together, worked with them on an affiliate revenue basis. Turns out they're making too much money on affiliate revenue. It's just better to buy and acquire the site at the end of the day. So... A way would be that sometimes if you if you look at a competitor, and I've done this before, it's like you look at a competitor, you see what they're doing really well, and you try and uh, you know you try and follow the, the the models. But if you can't really follow the model, then you go and acquire them. Yeah. So are you focusing primarily on the watch industry, and and everything is related to watches, or of these fifteen websites? Well, there's there's accessories there's a, and yeah, there's bunch of accessories, there's straps, there's software. And of course, uh, with, with these websites, there's also uh, some, some regional websites. So for example, in Africa, South Africa, I, I ended up acquiring a site. And believe it or not, South Africa is like 
it's a gold mine for e-commerce at the moment and i don't know why more people are not actually investing in there so like the the cost per acquisition for something that is about let's say 20 or 30 dollars for me in the us is about 2 dollars for me in south africa and the you know the margins are much 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 better so we found a website there and of course given the rand to the us dollar conversion we actually acquired a, a site which would have cost us about 300,000 dollars for like 50,000 dollars yeah so that just worked out for us in the long run as well that's crazy man like i I, there's there's so much we can talk about like the, just the complexities of buying international businesses and like <laughs> the legal structure of that i'm sure like uh, of those 30 people you've got to have like one of them who's a legal guy or an accountant or something to keep all this in line yeah we uh, there's a consultant actually and his job is to focus pretty much on these businesses because he he comes from a mergers and acquisitions background so he used to work uh, at a magic circle firm in london then he went out to work at the MNA at like another firm so he he's the guy who's got a background in it and like it's his job to manage it in terms of say for example the south african business I actually went to live in cape town and work with the business owner for about 6 months so that's how i found out okay is this business worth acquiring or not so I actually like go and work with these businesses for a while see if there's synergies see if it's worth keeping these people on after you purchase the businesses so in some cases we've ended up hiring the person who was running the business as a manager and given them like 20 or 30% interest in the company itself so they so the, so they got a lump sum payout they cut me running the business and at the end of the day i just go take whatever is due to me at the end of the year yeah so each of these businesses all have different ownership yeah uh, structures and do you have like a parent company with other business partners or are you the the sole i'm the sole op- owner uh, and operator dude, yeah how, how do you deal with like kind of uh, in my world just like that self doubt or the like the depression that comes along when you know things are going flat or you're dealing with struggles and and you, you frankly like i don't know for me i get i get those dark days all the time but yeah people people tend to have that and you know what sometimes sometimes uh, i kind of uh, like i'm 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 jealous in your situation because you've got a business partner right so you have somebody to talk to about this yeah of course everybody has those days so uh, reading helps yeah. you usually i found or calling a friend i've been lucky because my roommate is a lot more successful than i am and he was my roommate in college so he has a team of about 150 people and, oh, he's, wow. and he runs a net tech business so if i ever have sell dot and I end up calling him or usually we'll you know talk to fellow entrepreneurs out there you know i talk to you once in a while cuz and you always help me out with like uh, when i have some uh, new new and genie ideas and help me connect with different people so i really appreciate that Yeah. And you know, uh I think uh, the spirit of entrepreneurship is also about giving away. You know, I was with Alan Walton, uh, yeah. a guy guy we both know very well, and we were talking about the same situation last night. To be a successful entrepreneur, you have to have that spirit of sharing and giving away. There's no uh, like I'm not saying the secret sauce, but just giving away and sharing in terms of like your experiences, right? They're for free. They don't cost much. And when you're doing that, all of a sudden it just just feels a lot better. And you know, that's something that you guys actually have a lot a lot in common with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're all around the world, right? Do you have a family as well or are you you still a <laughs> single bachelor? No, I'm not a single bachelor. I've I've had I have um my girlfriend, I don't know, partner, I don't know what, what yeah, to yeah. say, what's politically correct in this day and age. I've been with her for four years. She she deals with me for yeah. sure. My parents live in Vancouver, Canada. We immigrated there when I was about 22, so about 12 years ago. So it was coming to Canada, starting life from scratch. it was literally like whatever you've done in your life till the age of 22 it goes down to zero like it's basically like a credit score with zero right yeah and you get to build your life up from there 
So, so you were an yeah. adult immigrant as well. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's pretty pretty cool. So where did you move from? From Mumbai, India. Okay. Yeah, city oh. of about 22 million yeah, people. Yeah, a lot of people there. <laughs> yeah, there was no no horns. That was my first culture shock. Yeah. It, like, you know, people not honking in Canada. And I was like, what? Why is it so quiet? Like, where's where's all the cows and where's all the, <laughs> all the do- stray dogs and stuff? I was like, man, this place is clean. Yeah. I, I did a couple trips to, or a single trip to uh, India. I went down to Bangalore. And, Phenomenal. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a, definitely a culture shock <laughs> as well to see that transition. And I can only imagine Mumbai being just so much more chaotic than, than Bangalore. Yeah. And the traffic jams. Yeah. So how do you, like, as an immigrant, come into Canada and essentially start to build a successful business? Was, was that ingrained in your family? Were your family entrepreneurs or... Did you guys kind of get lucky with a lottery and, and was able to immigrate that way? Or tell me more about that. Yeah. So my, my mother applied uh, because I think uh, we, had, we had family in Vancouver. In 2005, I remember I was doing my master's and I got a call uh, from my parents saying, you know, we, we got the golden ticket. It's a golden ticket, right? It's like you get to immigrate to the US, or you get to immigrate to Canada, or you get to immigrate to Australia, or the UK or whatever. It, it's a chance to move to a first world country, right? And have this amazing, amazing experience to live in such a different system altogether, an honest system, more so than anything else. Whereas, you know, India has a system, but it's, I'll reserve my a little more red, red tape. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the, the British has left us with bureaucracy and we've just perfected it over the years. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, and you come there. So my, my, my father was in the army, so he's worked the same job for 35 years. And uh, he, they wanted me to, to work on the same job as well for 30 plus years, if, if it was his way. But, you know, I'm sure that every entrepreneur that you've had on this podcast or anybody else will tell you that we are all very naughty kids. We usually have not done what everybody else has told us to do in life. So whenever people said, Zig, we zagged and vice versa. So I had it in me to do that. But, you know, uh, initially when we landed there, I needed to make money. So I, I, I went and sold a radio door to door. So I was selling a Punjabi radio station, a language that... I sort of spoke, but I didn't speak really too well, but I learned when I went to Vancouver. So it's like I had to learn the language and then I had to go sell the, the radio station at little mom and pop Punjabi shops yeah. on public transit because we didn't have a license or a car. Yeah. yeah. So, so this was uh, working for somebody or this was working? This was working for somebody yeah. actually. Yeah. So I, I, started, I started my business in 2015 because at that point in time, I was finishing up a stint in Australia. So I, I went to Australia to work for an ad agency and my, account, my accounts were working for Target. Not to be confused with the Target in the US because Target in Australia is owned by a company called West Farmers Group and they actually pay Target US about $120 million every year to, to just use the, the, the naming rates. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just for the, for the naming rights of it. So, they, so they're, they're like a big retail group. They own like five different major stores. So Coles is one, which is like a, a supermarket chain. So I was just finishing there, came back to Vancouver and had a big meeting with this retailer that I wanted to work with called MEC in Vancouver. And I remember I got rejected from it. And when asked the reason why, the reason was because they said, you're a flight risk. And I said, what do you mean I'm a flight risk? They're like, you haven't worked for any job for more than a year and a half, two years. And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? Because, you know, at that point in time, I was working in, di- in digital marketing. So, you know, it's known that if you want to up your skills, you just move every year, year two years. Right. Yeah, or, or maybe the company didn't interest you as much. So at that point of time, I said, wait a second, why, I've been working for all these people, making them a you know, a bunch of money. Why am I not doing that for myself? And that's where I said, okay, let's have a start. So I started in January of 2015. Yeah. Yeah. The most auspicious date. 
So and just you just picked watches and you know found a vendor for that or like yeah 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 it's it's kind of like a funny story I I done some contract work for Movement Watches before I just uh, randomly met these guys on uh, some they messaged me on some like Reddit forum and they said hey can you run ads for us I did I did that for like a couple of months because initially I wanted to have like a digital marketing agency so it's by default you know the first way you want you want to make your money is like doing something that you know and I, and I knew how to work in an agency run an agency and I said okay let's try it so I I did that for a few weeks not even a month. And then basically said, wait a second, man, this is, I'm getting back into the rut of actually working for somebody, making them money and not making myself money again. So I, so I said, look, I appreciate it. And then just started working on watches. Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, it's crazy because I, I failed, I failed the first time at making watches. I literally almost ran out of money because I, I tried to source from Vancouver and hire a designer in Vancouver, did everything in Vancouver. Whereas there's a massive watch fair in Hong Kong and I did about six months of work in Vancouver to make a watch. And then I found out somebody in Vancouver who I'd never met had a Kickstarter, which was exactly using the same logo as the watches I had just made. And I don't know this person. It's like literally the same face type, the same logos, the same everything. So that's six months down the drain. And you go like, what the hell? And he's already alive on Kickstarter. He's raised about $150,000. So it's back to the drawing board after six months of work. So then I said, "What, what is the next best thing? So ticket from Vancouver to Hong Kong, 750 Canadian dollars, go to the watch fair, meet all the suppliers in one go, get credit terms with your suppliers, get the design done within a week in Shenzhen and get it shipped out in three months. Yeah. That's what happened versus sitting in Vancouver and trying to source and getting the molds made and all that stuff, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. So I, I kind of wanted to segue into like, we, we've talked about it before starting the podcast, but like building the team. And you've you've grown and you've acquired companies. Now you have thirty team members. Is that crazy, dude? Yeah, <laughs> Again, yeah. All, in, all in different locations. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, so, uh, what, what does my aura ring meter say? Let's see how much sleep I got last <laughs> night. I think it's like three and a half hours. It's kind of crazy. I think I'm, I'm going to hold this up for for Mr. Ben Holtz to see himself. Oh, it was three hours and 23 minutes. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, a lot of sleep, man. That's, that's a, a good, good night, night of sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good night out. No, but other, the, the sleep is, of course, a joke. It's, it's very exciting to work with 30, uh, with 30 team members. It's also very exciting to be up in all these different time zones because I like that. I like working in the, you know, I like making my own schedule and, you know, there's no nine to five or, you know, I can work at nighttime in the morning. I'll get up, go to the gym or whatever. When we talk about how these teams are s- supposed to be running, I've just started implementing EOS or like a, a, a variation of it. So I find it very interesting that I've actually been able to take a step back from everything over the last 30 days. I actually went for a drive trip to Komodo Islands to see the giant lizards and all that there, which is kind of fun, right? And I hadn't done that for the last five and a half years. Yeah, yeah. So it's starting to take place, but it's, but it's interesting how different teams interact. So we, we made a conscious decision to shut down our Vancouver office with the employees we have there, they were really nice employees, but unfortunately in the long-term vision of where we want to be, they didn't really fit in there. So yeah. we, we, we're going through this process of actually seeing who identifies with the core values, right? And, and building a team around that. Yeah. So for those who maybe aren't familiar with EOS, it's, uh, I guess it's just a, a, a blueprint for a website that kind of gives you a guide. If you want to learn more about it, the books, Scaling Up, Rockefeller Habits, Traction, they're all kind of like built around EOS and the process. Yeah, I'll go read Get a Grip. I Get a Grip is, is what one you'd recommend? Yeah, I think it was interesting because it's Traction's a bit dry, but Get a Grip is ex- exactly, it's like, it's a case study of a company 
that use traction. So it's kind of like you can put it into uh, you can put it into perspective of what this person was going through, and then you can use that as well. Yeah. So the the kind of like thirty second pitch of EOS is it starts with like your vision, your core values, what your company's about, and then you set like a big, hairy, audacious goal that you want to be in. What is it like a year or two years, something like that? Five, yeah, two, or five years. Yeah, one year, five year. 10 yeah. years or something and so, then uh, then you kind of have like <laughs> quarterly goals yeah. i haven't thought for 10 years and we're both laughing because <laughs> i don't think so we've thought for 10 years <laughs> and then you have uh, uh kpis which are called key performance indicators which are kind of the metrics that you use to guide whether or not your business is being successful and then uh you have uh, like daily meetings that are kind of built around stand-ups so, yeah. yeah stand-up meetings so at beard brand we've also implemented a little bit of that and we don't follow it religiously, and, and maybe that's why we're not growing the way we should be growing. But. I think you, you guys are going to grow big, man. You, yeah. you, you, I've seen your plan. I've seen your products. I've seen everything. I think you, you're definitely on the right track. But uh, So let, let's dig in a little bit about your team. So you have 30 people. What, how many different cities are these 30 people located? Uh, so the, the develop, developments in on EST in South America, customer service is actually in... Nicaragua, Colombia, Serbia, Montenegro, Philippines, and India. So that's 10, 10 different countries yeah. overall. So that's where the team is distributed. And we've got a couple of people in the UK, Canada, me. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you feel like um, the team all connects under like your, your parent company? Or are they all like their own individual pods? They, they, no, they actually, no. So the, everybody needs, and if it, the, the, the key to implementing EOS is they, need, they all need to be under one umbrella. Right. So everybody is under like, the, they're all under like, so we have a singular Slack channel where everybody comes on, everybody has that chat, everybody. Uh, for me personally, I do have uh, weekly uh, video updates for my team which I started doing recently. So I don't know how it's going, but I know, I know for a fact that in terms of the feedback from the team members is they feel quite motivated. Uh, because I, the thing I had, that I've done wrong, I can tell you what I've done wrong over the last five years yeah. in terms of managing my team is I've actually thought like giving people bonuses was a good way of motivating them, throwing money at it uh, or saying, hey, this is the way to go. It definitely, definitely did not. It's, it, it's not the way to go. What I found, which was interesting, which was the other way around, which is kind of sending somebody a personalized gift or a letter even. Yeah. Right. And just writing a nice little postcard from my trip to Berlin over the summer to an employee in the Philippines made his day. It was, it was phenomenal. And I was like, well, I should do those things more often. Like a, the power of a handwritten letter, you know, right. it's, uh, uh, I don't know, a lot of people don't do that, but all of a sudden uh, I'm starting to find that if I, it's, it's, first of all, it's pretty calming for me to write, but, but it's also the fact that people frame it. This employee framed the letter. Yeah. And I thought it was quite interesting. I think we, as founders and CEOs, you kind of forget about how much your team looks up to you and admires like you as an entrepreneur and what you're doing. Yeah. As I'm, as I'm talking to you, like the epiphany is coming to me <laughs> as well. It's like, see, all the good things happening. But the reason is also like coming back to EOS and what we were talking about. Like one thing I changed also was like talking about company financials. I started getting open with my team about the finance, finances of the company. Of course, not everybody's salaries. That's kind of weird. But uh, of course, being open, like in terms of where are we at our revenue goals? What, uh, you know, what is our stretch goal? If we had some losses, then I have to be upfront about the losses because everybody needs to be focused on the goal of the company doing well financially. And everybody's bonuses are based on the company doing well financially every quarter. Yeah. 
So you guys still are rolling out bonuses uh, as a pay- payment structure? It is, but the way it's rolled out is quite different. It's about people who follow the values. Like EOS talks about it, which is like got it, want it, and you know, ability to implement it. Or the capacity. For yeah. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. So our bonus structure is, of course, a little bit, the, the, the performance of the company will probably be on it like 20 or 30%, but the rest of the 60, 70% is more focused on the value uh, that this person is. So for example, for a customer service team, the KPIs are very different from say the, the operations team, right? The customer service team would be about getting better customer reviews. What is the CSAT of the person? What is the missed call rates in the company? What is the dissatisfaction rates of the customers in the family? How, what is the first reply time to customers in the company? All this stuff. So that would govern their bonus structure rather than the, the company revenue overall. So the company revenue will play a role, but it does not play as much of a significant role as the KPIs for the key performance indices for the for, uh, the individuals. For, for the individuals, yeah. Do you have a management team to kind of execute this or are you the one who's trying to manage all <laughs> Unfortunately, it's me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because, well, if you think about it, if you had a meeting with every single team member once a month, yeah. then that's every single day you're having a meeting you know, yeah one-on-one yeah so i i don't I, uh so the the way it's structured is i do have managers the devs i don't manage the devs that's the cto's job i do have a chat with them uh, we have put into place a customer service manager we hired specifically for it they manage the customer service team and then we have one person in charge for operations and marketing and all that so that's that's the person so like i said we've just started the process a few months ago so you're well ahead on the journey from that it seems, but you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts about it because I, you know, I'm I'm, I'm just beginning on it. Yeah, I mean, from from my perspective, uh, I'm lucky that my business partner kind of handles more of the operational sides of things, and and I'm uh, the quote unquote ideas guy or the face of the company or whatever. And um, handsome face. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. I'll take more compliments <laughs> if you want to give them. But uh, yeah, so we're not we're not like religious about data here at beard brand like we're definitely more of like the feeling which also i can understand can be really frustrating for the team because there's just a lot of intangible aspects to business that you can't boil down to a kpi a single metric especially if someone's like more of a project manager like where they're working on projects over three months and then you have like well what is this point what is that point what is that point especially if you're doing things that are new and you've never done it before where you have like no framework of what success is and what uh, challenges are. So I don't know. We kind of stick to our core values and we do like the the quarterly review of the team and, you know, like how do they represent the, the core values? Are they a plus or a minus, you know, in freedom, hunger and trust? And we'll give them plus minus. And then if they get in any kind of like minuses or plus minuses in there, then we'll be like, do they want it? Do they have the capacity to have it? And then uh, do they get it? kind of do our evaluations from there do you discuss the financials of your company openly yeah well i mean pretty much uh, everyone's got the ability to log into our shopify account and look at things and i've done like weekly reports and stuff like that what our weekly numbers are but it's not something that i'm really good at doing regularly you know like i'm not that i'm going to log in and here's the metrics for today and you know look it over well i i, I you know and I, I should I, be. I, I like. I see the value of it. It's just like, I got. I got. A, I got a point to ask you. Yeah. I used to get up every morning, whatever time zone I'm in, and I would check my Stripe account, right? Yeah. And what I and what I started doing recently is I don't check it as much. I just check it like once every every few days. Yeah. And I found that my stress level has reduced all of a sudden. 
do you do that for that reason or have you have you tried to do that it's like you just check it like once every few days and you're like you know what it's going to come in it's okay don't worry about it otherwise you're checking it like six times a day and you're like what you yeah know? yeah yeah i think like the first four or five years of the business it was like all the time kind of thing and then we finally got to this point where the business was a lot more stable and i kind of knew what was going on i even went like a couple of days without you know checking what the daily revenues were which is uh, oh, i know i know it's crazy huh? yeah but yeah it's it's usually part of my morning routine to to pull into the the dashboard and see what yesterday's numbers were you you've hit on something that's really i'm um, really interested in and i usually ask entrepreneurs about this morning routines yeah what's your morning routine well i mean there's there's the morning routine before getting to work and then there's the morning routine at work and uh the morning routine at home is a lot more regimented than the morning routine but i'm a rower so sometimes i'll get up at you know 4 40 in the morning to go row at 5 30 in the morning and then i come back and eat my breakfast and get my daughter off to school and then um i can go into more detail than that but i'll avoid yeah avoid some of the that, that's fine yes and then uh, in, in the office it's, it's really just kind of like 50 uh, percent of the time i've got some idea where i'm like we need to be doing this like immediately like a typical entrepreneur yeah <laughs> there's, a, like, there's a fire yeah yeah and then i'm like do i do i really need to tell the team this or not or should i just <laughs> bite my lip and like hold off on it and then um usually it's going to ca- catch up with a couple of key people to make sure everything's going well and if there's any kind of like things that need to go on and then we have a nine o'clock meeting so i get in at 8 30 and then we have a nine o'clock daily daily meeting do you read do you read in the morning no, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you do you take some time i'm a read i i read uh short stuff so like Reddit, yeah, Twitter, yeah. <laughs> I've I've started. I'll actually share this with you. And I've started doing it recently. Is I in the morning? I I won't touch my phone. I know this. You can. It's it's really hard for me to do. But I've just started doing it. So like I said, okay. trying to make changes. Is I've tried starting when I wake up. I'll go and I'll try and read for about thirty minutes. And what I find, or, or actually journal. Yeah. That that was the weird thing. It's like for all my life I made fun of people who journaled. And now I'm the one who's doing it and I'm like, "Oh, now I understand why people do it." Yeah. And I'm like, "Holy hell, all the answers." So if you go to bed, I don't know if this has happened to you before. If you go to bed with a problem in the morning somehow it magically appears, the solution appears to you on a journal. I've never I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. I was like I was like, "Oh, I was so wrong about this whole process." And I'm happy to admit that. But just reading, like it's like it's like a, it's a good mental jog, right? So it's there's no dopamine effects there's no nothing else. I think it I find it like maybe meditating it just calms right. you down. And that and that's what I found like because I'm sure as entrepreneurs both of us wake up, check the phone and there's probably 10 fires burning that you need to look at left right and center. But I don't check my email. Like no? I pretty much don't check. Yeah, I mean you'll see how like slow I am to reply on yeah. uh e- ECF and uh email and stuff like that. And text, even text, like I'm terrible. Like if someone texts me or emails me, and like I won't get back to them sometimes for like eight hours. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like that's awesome. Can you like what are you what are you doing differently? Like what is it that uh-huh. have you turned off all your notifications? Are you are you consciously making a choice not to check your phone, not to be around your phone? Because like I can't stay without my phone for more than like twenty, thirty, forty minutes. Like uh-huh. maybe forty five minutes. Because when I go play squash, I have to leave it in the men's locker room. But that's pretty much it. Yeah. No, so I would say uh I have Twitter notifications turned off, I have Instagram notifications turned off. I don't have WhatsApp, I don't have Facebook. So those aren't on the phone. And then uh yeah, if there's like a notif- notification email, I guess I don't have email notifications turned on because I I don't see them. I have to like log into the app to see what's new. And then if I see like 100 new emails, I'm like, "Ah, I can't do this on my phone." So I'll just be like, "Ah, 
do it when I get to my desk. And then I'll forget about it because I'll be off doing something else. And- <laughs> you, forget, you forget about emails? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you're so funny, man. I, but I ask, I ask people this question because I believe that, that the society, and uh, I don't know if it's hit North America yet, but the other, other day I, was, uh, I went out for dinner with my girlfriend and we noticed this couple next to us having dinner and they didn't speak a word. Yeah, they were eating dinner. The yeah, they were just on the phones. Literally, it, it's a, I mean, albeit it's like a normal coffee shop or whatever, but people just, I saw this in Hong Kong. Couple went out for dinner, ordered a bowl of noodles. They set up the individual phones up and they're watching a movie or they're watching uh, some TV show, and that's it. And I was like, man, what the hell? This is the problem with our generation. Yeah. It's like people, the, well, I mean, or, it, or even the kids coming All ages up. do it. You yeah. Know, it's, uh, these phones were designed to be addictive. I think, like, you know, for me, like, one of my goals, like, over the past two years was try to, like, disconnect myself from the business so the business could grow without me. And I think, like, I've developed some kind of habits where it's, like, I'm not needed in the business on a day-to-day basis, right? I can check out for four days, not read my email, and I'm going to be fine, right? The business is going to run, you know, things will be taken care of. And essentially by not replying, like people have to figure it out on their own. So like, that's kind of the mentality. So now all I really get are just like solicitors and people trying to sell me stuff. And then like, I would pass those on to other people anyway. So, so when, when? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think like that's, that's been a goal for me. But I'm still involved. Like I still want to, you know, set the vision for the company and and guide the team on what the expectations are and try to implement. I'm still a product guy. Like I love the products. I love being involved in the products. The beautiful products, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So like those are are really close and dear to my heart. But it's you know for that you know I'm not managing the product process. It's just you know when does stuff come in? But you you've it? graduated, right? You've graduated because like. What was that book you were showing me earlier? The the book of meditation or the or book the, of reminders? The book of reminders. Yes, it's a phenomenal book. It's like you wrote it. Yeah, and it's got twelve daily, twelve reminders or thirteen reminders. That, nine reminders. Nine yeah, reminders nine nine reminders that people just look at, and it's like, and you wrote it, yeah. right? Like I can't think about actually writing anything like that. <laughs> and I'm like, man, this guy. It's you know, mad respect to you, uh, because you actually had the time and you've you thought about that process and you've actually thought about like what the experience of beard brand is going to be for your customer at the end right and it's like it's the added thing of elevating it to the next level yeah so like kind of tie into like putting the phone down and reading like one of my techniques that's similar to that is when i travel when i fly i never get the wi-fi yeah so it's just like i'm i'll sit there bored sometimes if they don't have a tv and i'm like well ideas better start coming because that's all that's (laughs) going to happen you know like if you can integrate boredom into your life your creativity is going to go through the roof. Yeah. You know Malcolm Gladwell? Mm. Malcolm Gladwell is a, is a very famous Canadian author, but he, he wrote Tipping Point and Blink and Outliers and all these books. For every book that he wrote, he found out, he's a former writer for New York and the New York Times. He charted the longest path of flight from New York to anywhere in the world. And he found it was from New York to Tokyo. And he booked himself a business class ticket. And he went on the plane just because it didn't have any Wi-Fi so he could write his book. Yeah, and he and he did that about two times to write to complete outliers, which was his, his book that sold over a million copies. No, no, of- I mean that's uh, the book of reminders. Was I was flying over uh, Las Vegas and I was just looking at the the Grand Canyon and I just like the enormity of Earth and just like the time that you could see in the Grand Canyons from from the airplane. Like inspired uh, inspired one of my chapters. Really, probably inspired the the, uh, the whole thing. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's just phenomenal, man. So yeah, there's so much to learn from you. Yeah, yeah. 
But, uh, you know, they, they keep me on a time budget here. Where can uh, people follow you if they want to learn more about you? Uh, they can add me on Twitter. My Twitter is Roaring Ronnie. You can add me on Instagram. Wait, wait, uh, what is it, Ronnie? Roaring. R-O-A-R-I-N-G. I okay. don't know why I put it. But <laughs> Roaring Ronnie? Yeah, okay. just like, oh, just, just on Instagram, man. Yeah. I, I've got a really cool uh, Instagram handle at Sir Wexford. That's, that's, that's Sir Wexford to you. Okay. Yes. And uh, I'll just add me on LinkedIn, man. Ronnie Teja. It's just easy. Or you just send me an email, ronnie at brandsier.com. Okay. Happy to help anybody field in- inquiries and questions. And, and then that. the other question I'd like to ask is, how can our listeners make you richer by buying some of your products? Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can, you can go to my website, brandsier.com, and actually uh, and, and buy watches there. We usually have a sale. There's a 25% off sale this weekend for Super Bowl only. Yeah. So, uh, well, this isn't going to be up in time for Super Bowl. Yeah, but, but whatever, whatever. I mean, just, just, just there's yeah, usually some sale out there. Sign up for the email list. You'll get 20% off. Yeah. So how do you spell the domain? V-R-A-N-Z-I-O.com. Okay. Great, man. Well, it's been a pleasure having this chat. Thank you so much for coming into the Austin office. Always a office. pleasure. Yeah. And uh, we're going to have some fun down at uh, ECF Live. Woo! <laughs> All right. Cheers. Cheers.